everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company on this glorious Tuesday, July the 5th, holiday weekend in the rearview mirror. It was a good time held by all. We appreciate you tuning in today as we get July rocking and rolling here on RP3 and Company. Of course, you can listen to us on your radio dial. 1037 here in Lafayette and Acadiana. 1041 in Lake Charles. You can also listen to us on the free game mobile app for both Android and Apple devices. Google Home, Alexa. And if you're here in Acadiana, you can catch us on the old simulcast. That's right. Watch us on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We got a tremendous show lined up for you today. As we're back from the holiday weekend, Jarrett Rozier will give us the latest updates in the world of recruiting. Busy weekend for LSU. We'll cover that for you here in about half an hour and then have Jarrett on at straight up 8 o'clock. At 8.30, Ali Cassell will be joining us. Zion Williamson, Supermax, signed, sealed, delivered. And the Pelicans are in the midst of the Kevin Durant rumor mill. We'll get Ollie's thoughts on all of that coming up at 8.30. So both of our guests are in the final hour of today's show, which means plenty of time for you to get your phone calls in. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. So much to get to over the weekend. I'll give you my thoughts on college football landscape, Where do they go from here? Who's the next team to bolt the Pac-12? What happens to the rest of the Pac-12? That'll be coming up on today's show as well. But we're going to start off talking about, no, not the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. I know some of you are going to be disappointed by that. I'm talking about a team that is absolutely on fire. That, of course, would be the Houston Astros. They pick up their seventh straight win yesterday as they open up the series against the Kansas City Royals, and they look like they were in trouble for a long stretch of this game. After getting the sweep over the Los Angeles Angels over the weekend, Kansas City comes into town, and the Royals played well. Astros were struggling. Now, they had one six straight. Two against the Mets, the single game against the Yankees, and then the three games against the Angels. And this is the thing about this year's Astros team is that they rise to the occasion to beat the ba- uh, to beat the really good teams, Mets, Yankees, others. But when they've stumbled, they've stumbled against teams below 500. Mediocre teams. Whether they take their foot off the gas or whatever it might be or just the fact that they're a veteran team, 
and they know that a June game against the Seattle Mariners really doesn't mean all that much. That's been kind of their MO this year. Well, not over the weekend. They didn't dip down. They didn't dip down towards the Angels. They sweep the fighting MVPs. Mike Trout had a historic, awful weekend at the dish against the Astros. But then comes Kansas City. Uh, you know, the Angels, they're in your division. Makes a little sense. If you expected a letdown yesterday on the 4th of July, afternoon baseball, after winning six straight, after going through the gauntlet against the two New York teams, going 7-2 and two against them, and then sweeping the division team. Yesterday was a game that you maybe expected, okay, they may drop it. They may look a little off. And they did for a good portion of the game. They gave up the lead early. Kansas City looked like, hey, we got something going here. We're in your house. But the Astros found a way. Found a way to pull out the 7-6 win. Alvarez hits the two-out home run there in the ninth inning to get them the win. And this team always finds a way. That's what they do. They always find a way. Because they could have easily rolled over and said, hey, you know what? No big deal if we lose this 4th of July game. It's not a big deal. Because the Royals come out two in the first, two in the second, and they add a run in the third. They hold a comfortable 5 nothing lead heading to the bottom of the fourth. Five runs is a lot in baseball. A ton in baseball. And credit Kansas City, Jake Odorizzi was pitching yesterday. He did not pitch well in his rehab assignment, but the Strohs brought him up. Five runs, nine hits, only four innings of work. Struck out three, walked one, threw 90 pitches. But he gets the no decision because the Astros' bullpen is able to kind of come to the rescue, so to speak. Tucker gets the sack fly in the bottom of the fourth to play to run. They start chipping away. Altuve reaches on an infield single to shortstop. That brings in a run in the fifth. In the seventh, Meyer score. So they kept chipping away. A run here, run there. But then when Melendez homers in the eighth, to give the Royals that insurance run, they're up 6-3, to three, you're like, game over. But then, then comes the Strohs. Tucker singles in a run in the eighth. Two runs in the eighth. Then Guriel singles the center, scoring Bregman, two guys that have been struggling for the most part of this season. That ties the game 6-6 in the eighth inning. And then Jordan hits the uh, game-winning home run in the bottom of the ninth. 
seven in a row now. Improved to 52 and 27. Increased their lead in the American League West to a whopping 13 and a half games over the Seattle Mariners, who are still below 500. By the way, the fighting MVPs, the Los Angeles Angels are 37 and 44. They're in fourth place now in the division. Yet, when you go to a certain four-letter network, one of the top stories on their Major League Baseball page is, let's compare Otani's season to last year's historic season. Even when you're terrible, you still get pub. They so want that team to be great. And that team's so not great. Stanek comes in and gets the win. He closes the door. Pitches there in the ninth. Did walk a batter. Things got a little hairy there. But he gets out of the inning. As he picks up the victory. And the Astros, more importantly, record their victory. 7-6. to six, Come from behind over the Kansas City Royals. And that just caps off a tremendous holiday weekend. Look, they've been playing great baseball for the better part of two weeks. And look what they did to the poor Angels. 819142. <laughs> that that's just just so bad. So bad if you're the Los Angeles, Anaheim, California Angels. Got to give credit to Christian Javier over the weekend. 14 Ks. Career high in the 8-1 victory for the Strohs. Remember, he was part of the combined no-hitter. Follows that up by, I don't know, striking out a career best 14. That's the guy that really wants to prove that he belongs in this rotation once everyone's back. 14 strikeouts. Once again, the Astros pitching depth. Verlander, Framber was magnificent over the weekend as well. But Christian Javier is a guy that more than likely would be a number three anywhere else. Right now, he's battling to be the 4-5 pitcher. It's ridiculous how deep their pitching is. Mike Trout, of course, had a weekend he'd like to forget. 0-for-3 in the 8-1 loss where he struck out three times. One of the best players in baseball struggling struggling mightily because it didn't get any better after striking out three times against Christian Javier on Friday in the 8-1 win for the Strohs he gets outshined the next day by Martin Maldonado wait for it that's right the worst hitter in the Astros lineup hit two home runs in the 9-1 win on Saturday. <laughs> you, you know when you know things are going your way when your worst hitter hits two home runs in a game. 
like the guy batting well below 200 goes out there and clobbers the ball. Trout followed up his 0 for 3 3 strikeout performance on Friday against the Astros by going, wait for it, 0 for 4 on Saturday with four more strikeouts. Woof. Now, he is in a historic slump, but still. First two games of the weekend series against the Astros and Mike Trout goes 0 for 7 with seven strikeouts. You rarely ever see that, much less from a great hitter, a disciplined hitter like Mike Trout. It usually never happens. And then came the Sunday game. Angels get an early lead, 2-0. But once again, Strohs run in the fourth, run in the fifth. Then they win it in the bottom of the ninth in walk-off fashion just to crush the poor Angels yet again. Framer was magnificent, 13 Ks. He got the no decision, though, but he had 13 Ks. So two of the four games, Astros pitchers threw 14 Ks. Their starters did 14 Ks, and the other one threw 13. In that one, Pena homers to center field, two-run blast to win it in the bottom of the ninth in walk-off fashion. And Mike Trout completed his weekend against the Strohs after going 0-3 for on Friday with three three strikeouts, 0-4 for on Saturday with four strikeouts. Mike Trout went 0-4 for on Sunday with two more strikeouts. 0-11. for 0-4-11 in eight strikeouts. Woof. Woof. That gets a big old woof. Strohs seven in a row. One of the hottest teams in baseball. They're now at 51 wins. They eclipsed the 50-win plateau this past weekend. Only one of a few teams that have been able to do that so far this season. They'll tussle with those Royals yet again tonight inside Minute Maid Ballpark. You can listen to the game live right here on the game. First pitch set for 7-10. At 7-10, Royals, Astros, live right here on the game. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Shout out to JPK, the OD. Mr. Optimistic, if you will. We opened up today's show, the first one from the holiday break, discussing the Houston Astros. Seven in a row, went seven and two against the New York teams 
swept to the Angels. Poor Mike Trout. I stand corrected. Out of respect for him and the Angels organization, I apologize. I need to correct myself. He went 0 for 11 with nine strikeouts, not eight. My apologies. Nine strikeouts. Against what you could argue is the best pitching staff in baseball, probably. At least the deepest. They had two pitchers over the weekend with double-digit strikeout totals. Javier with 14 and Framer had 13. Framer didn't even get the decision. Walk-off wins, and then they kept it rolling last night, or yesterday evening, rather, when they took out the Kansas City Royals in walk-off fashion with a Jordan Alvarez home run in the ninth. But JPK, the OD, is Mr. Optimistic. Random Mariners check-in, four games out of the wild card with the Jays and Rays fading fast. Second in the West, Stroh's looking over their shoulder. July 22nd, coming fast. Just God bless you, JPK, the OD. It's going to be one of those things, and we'll lay this out for you for the second half of the season. Mariners are going to give you hope. We're going to be a wild card team. Let's get it. They're probably going to win that weekend series at the end of July in Houston. Because for whatever reason, the Mariners rise to the occasion. They flex it up, if you will. They showcase their muscles against the Houston Astros. The problem for the team from Emerald City is this. They don't play that way against the rest of the league. If they played as consistent and as well as they do against the Astros, against the rest of their opponents, they not only would be in the playoff hunt, they would actually have a winning record. So let's see if the Mariners can do that. Breathing down their necks, but that's a 13-and-a-half game lead. <laughs> but, but, I appreciate the enthusiasm for your ball club. Thinking optimistically, I'm here for it. I love the positivity. Shout out to JPK, the OD, with his comment on the Twitters. On the Twitters. Let's step away from the diamond and let's talk with Zion Williamson. As expected, the big fella signs the Super Mac extension. And even though I've had multiple discussions with folks, including number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, Darren. They didn't have a choice. You just didn't. When healthy, he's immensely talented, a special player. The problem is, is that he hasn't been healthy his entire career. But if you're New Orleans and you're David Griffin, you can't not give him the Supermax contract extension. You just can't do it. You have to. You're stuck. You don't have another choice here. Now, you can do the contract in a way that protects you, that makes it incentive-laden, right? Because, hey, Zion, you... Your weight's been an issue since you've been here in New Orleans. Your health has been an issue here in New Orleans. We got to put in some safeguards here to protect us. You could do that. Absolutely. Five-year rookie max contract extension worth up to $231 million. 
$1,000,000. Zion will now be under contract through the 2027-2028 season. That's a heck of a contract. But Zion missed all of last season with a foot injury when we were told he was coming back. He was incredible in the 85 games, though, during his first two years. But once again, 85 games over two years. Averaging 25 points per game, seven rebounds and 3.2 assists. Shooting 60% from the field. And here's the crazy thing about Zion. Most points through 85 career games past 40 years. Michael Jordan tops that list. 2,387 points. Third on the list, the Admiral, David Robinson. 2,083 points. Shaq, fourth, 2,027 points. The second most points through the 85 career games in NBA history, Zion Williamson. So you see the potential. You see what is possible from the big fella. The problem is, is that the big fella hasn't been healthy. Hasn't been healthy. Has not been healthy. Now, you hope that your trainers, you hope that your nutritionists, you hope that the people, more importantly, around Zion are committed to Zion being in New Orleans and are committed to Zion being healthy and taking care of himself so the Pelicans can build around him. Do I have confidence in that? I do not. I think he's a special player when healthy. But this is a guy that had injuries in college. Had injuries during summer league, his rookie season. Was injured his rookie season. Banged up his second season. Missed all of his third season. That's a lot of guaranteed money. But once again, if you're the Pelicans, you don't have a choice. I'd like to believe that Zion can turn things around. I'd like to believe that he's committed. Do I think... Part of the issue with him and the Pelicans is the people surrounding Zion, his inner circle. Yes, I've seen this before in sport. Is it also impacted because David Griffin is kind of a weird dude? Yep. That doesn't help things. But I want to see what Zion can do playing healthy and playing for Willie Green. Because if Zion is humbled enough to take the coaching that Willie's going to give him, they could have something special if he's healthy and he accepts the coaching. And if he can quiet the inner circle and allow him to do what he needs to do to be great in New Orleans. That's a lot of what-if scenarios. I get it. I understand. Lots of what-ifs. But you kind of have to believe it, right? You don't have a choice because here's the other part of this. If you didn't give him the super max extension, he then if he's healthy this next year and has an all-star season, then you're screwed because then he's going to walk. And you're not going to have anything. And then you look incompetent as a general manager and the head of basketball operations. And trust me, David Griffin does not want to appear that way. Whatsoever. He's not going to admit that he probably should have taken John Morant instead of Zion. He's not going to admit that. He's not going to admit that 
to the public, and he's not going to admit that to himself. So there you go. Super max deal. But as this happened over the weekend because NBA free agency opened up, right? And contracts, 220, 230, $240 million contracts were handed out like candy at Halloween. Yet I was told sports suffered because of the pandemic. Lies. The Kevin Durant news started circling around about him requesting a trade from Brooklyn. At first, we heard Phoenix, who played for the NBA championship a year ago. Miami, who's been in contention, has played for an NBA title in the last three years. One of the L.A. teams, or both of the L.A. teams. Golden State has been mentioned. And a team that's been mentioned, which I'm trying to wrap my brain around, is Kevin, for Kevin Durant, would be the New Orleans Pelicans. Would Kevin Durant come and play for the Pelicans? I don't think so. I think he probably would do, do very well in a smaller market. That's what he came up through in the NBA. He wouldn't have a ton of pressure in New Orleans. It wouldn't be the ridicule like it would be if you played in L.A. or played in New York. He's already played in California and New York. The spotlight wouldn't be on him as much. But the Pelicans would have to give up a ton for that. I've seen everything. Everything's included having to send Brandon Ingram to Brooklyn, sending their lottery pick this year to Brooklyn, and then sending three future first-round draft picks. And Kevin Durant is in the conversation of being one of the best players in the league, a great generational talent. But the cat also hasn't been healthy either. And we see how things didn't work out in Brooklyn. Yeah. It feels like the Pels are building something special. Are you going to mortgage all of that to get Kevin Durant? Do you think adding Kevin Durant automatically makes you a contender? Because it didn't make the Nets a contender. And they had James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Blake Griffin and everybody else. I find it interesting. I don't think it's a possibility, but the rumor mill has ratcheted up over the holiday weekend about this, is about the Pelicans possibly being a destination for Kevin Durant to be traded to. Our poll question of the day is directly related to that. Should the Pelicans trade whoever they can for Kevin Durant? Yes or no? Already 30 votes on this. Overwhelmingly, 90% of you say no. Martin on Twitter says, absolutely not. The guy hasn't played out a full contract with any of the teams he's played with. He's nothing but drama like LeBum. One thing goes wrong, and he's crying his way out. The Pelicans have good chemistry and fine with what they have. Martin follows that up with Nets need to trade him with Kyrie to the Lakers. And while the Lakers are at it, they need to go with go get James Harden, and only then will we see a true soap opera that is the Lakers. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Should the Pelicans trade whoever they can to get Kevin Durant? That's our poll question of the day. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, 
busy weekend for the LSU football team. They didn't take the holiday off as they hauled in recruit after recruit after recruit for Brian Kelly and his staff. We'll get you up to date on that coming up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Wants to hook you up with our new Apple Watch. That's right, brand new out-of-the-box Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text the word GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch brand new. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Houston Astros tickets and more. It's the GAME's text club. Find out more by visiting 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astros walk-off winner last night with Jordan Alvarez hitting the home run as they've now won seven straight games and they crushed the poor poor faces of the fighting MVPs. Mike Trout 0 for 11 over the weekend against the Strohs with nine strikeouts. that's not a good that's the type of weekend where you go should I even be playing this game is it time for me to leave just retire just in the middle of the season (laughs) it's just it it was rough Zion Williamson and the Pelicans agreed to the Supermax extension that's a done deal now all but locked up but you really don't have a choice but After Zion extension was wrapped, rumors came out that the Pelicans could be a trade destination for Kevin Durant in the mix. Phoenix, Miami, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Pelicans? Don't know how I feel about that. That is our poll question of the day. Should the Pelicans trade whatever they can, whoever they can, to nab themselves Kevin Durant? Well, let's switch gears to recruiting. LSU had themselves what I call a heck of a weekend. Or as what our friend Jarrett Rozier would describe as a five-commit heater over the weekend. They locked up five players over the weekend. Brian Kelly and his staff did not slow down. And what stands out to me about this is, yes, only one of the five comes from the state of Louisiana. And there was a lot of concerns. Could Brian Kelly recruit in the SEC? Could Brian Kelly recruit down south? 
Well, here's the thing about that. I think he's a good recruiter. He was a good recruiter at Cincinnati. He was a really good recruiter at Notre Dame, specifically with everything handcuffing you there for the Golden Domers in regards of what type of players you can actually get. And here's the other thing. Brian Kelly may not be from the South. Brian Kelly may not fully understand Louisiana just yet. But Brian Kelly can recruit. And Brian Kelly can recruit nationally. And that's what stood out this weekend. Because LSU football got five commitments in a span of four days over the weekend. The latest is out of Baltimore, Maryland, where they got four-star defensive end Deshaun Womack, six foot four, two hundred pounds, committed to LSU over Georgia, Oregon, Ole Miss, and Maryland. Womack was the fifth addition this Fourth of July weekend to the 2023 class, and the third on the Fourth of July Monday alone. Robbinsdale Cooper, tight end out of Minnesota. He's also a defensive end. Jackson Howard started LSU's weekend on the right foot Friday evening with his announcement. Then came Lawrence Central defensive end Joshua Mickens on Sunday. By the way, Lawrence Central is in Indianapolis, Indiana. Then came the one lone state recruit. Archbishop Rummel defensive back Ashton Stamps. Then came Carver High defensive end Daron Reed out of Columbus, Georgia. That's in University of Uga's backyard. Came on Monday. The holiday weekend haul nearly doubled the Tigers class and particularly bolstered the defensive side of the football. Brian Kelly now has 11 commitments for the 2023 class including from eight different states. Eight different states. This guy's going in and getting four-star recruits out of the Midwest. This is where Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State go and recruit. And Brian Kelly, because he has those relationships already there and has those connections, is able to go into places that LSU typically hasn't been able to go and say, guess what? I want you to come down south and play in Baton Rouge. And that's what he's doing. Once again, Minnesota, Indianapolis, Baltimore. And then he also got himself a kid from the south in Georgia. The state where the defending national champs are at. I don't think you have to worry about Brian Kelly and his recruiting prowess. He he was masterful with the transfer portal after taking over a roster that was depleted and barely had enough players to play in the bowl game where they had to take a former wide receiver and turn him into a quarterback for a game. He used the transfer portal brilliantly. A very good first recruiting class. And now he's already building upon that. Holiday weekend, Brian Kelly says, I'm busy. I don't have time for fireworks and hot dogs, RP3. I got to go sign these kids. I got to go get these kids to commit 
to Baton Rouge, and he's doing so in places like Baltimore, Indianapolis, and Minnesota. Four stars. According to Rivals, the Tigers' 2023 class, of the 11 commitments, seven of them are four stars. Seven. And he's able to cherry-pick these guys from all across the country. Now, will all of these 11 commitments, will they all sign on the dotted line during the early signing period this December and early in the traditional period next February? You know that's not going to be the case. But the fact that he's attacking eight different states, is aggressive on the recruiting trail, shows you just how good he is as a recruiter. He had consistent success at Notre Dame with all the restrictions that are in place to go there. Now he doesn't have those academic restrictions applied. He's about to be a kid in a candy store when it comes to recruiting for the first time in his career. He's going to be able to recruit any player he wants from whatever part of the country he wants. Expect these recruiting classes to get better and better. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one update, that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. That's right. Mariners, Strohs, Inside Minute Maid Ballpark. Go register in the game clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and guess what? We're going to throw in hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Hotel room taken care of. Four tickets and a tour? Say what? It's an Astros weekend getaway. But you can only score it by becoming a member of our clubhouse. Once again, Mariners, Strohs, Saturday, July 30th. You can be there. Four tickets, tour the ballpark, and hotel accommodations. But you can only win it by becoming a member of our clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. Rumors flying around about old Kevin Durant's possibly coming to the Pelicans. I don't see it as a possibility. I personally don't think it's going to happen. I can't tell you where really KD wants to go. Only KD knows that. But I don't think he wants to be part of building something. I just don't. It, look, Durant was part of building something in Oklahoma City. He was the centerpiece. He won a league MVP there. And they built around him. Remember, he was one of the pieces they had back when they were still the Seattle Supersonics before they moved to Oklahoma City. And then they built around Durant. And they added Serge Ibaka, and they added James Harden, and they added Russell Wellsbrook, and they built that team up through the draft. 
And then they got some smart pieces like Kendrick Perkins and others to help bolster the lineup. And they made it all the way to an NBA Finals. They lost, but they made it. But then he left because it wasn't working out there. And they couldn't keep all those guys together. Harden gets shipped to Houston, becomes a MVP. And then Durant ends up going to Golden State and wins a couple of titles. But Brooklyn didn't work. And the Slim Reapers, they like to call him, as great as he is, he's been banged up the last couple of seasons and more. So do I see him going to a place where a young coach and they're learning just to win? Eh, I don't know. And it does feel like the Pelicans are trying to build something with their chemistry and trying to build something with the process that they're going through. Now, obviously, it hinges on Zion Williamson. But do you trade for Kevin Durant? And here's the thing. Is he going to give you everything he has? That's the other part of this. Is Durant going to be the veteran leader you need to take this team to another level? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. But that rumor is persisting that the Pelicans are in the mix. That's our poll question of the day. Darren has chimed in. They shouldn't, but I know who they should trade. If they would make an offer, it should include Zion and picks. That, that way you keep behind CJ, but he ain't going there. They're not going to trade Zion. <laughs> Darren keeps trying to will this into existence. It's just not going to happen. Griff, it will happen when Griff is gone, Darren. When Griff loses his job is when Zion will get traded. But not before then. Tyler says, I wouldn't trade for KD. It has nothing to do against him personally and has a lot to do with how much draft capital you would be giving up. I'm of the mindset of keeping your draft picks and seeing what you can get for them, whether it be prospects or trades. So keep those votes coming for the poll question of the day. Hour number one and the books, hour number two, coming up right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our number two has arrived as we're back and better than ever, well-rested from a holiday weekend filled with fun, family, and fireworks. That's how my weekend went. Good morning. I'm RP3, also known as Raymond Parts III, also known as the Big Bald and Beautiful One, the man who gets you reared up, ready to go every weekday morning here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of those Stros, winner, winner, chicken dinner yet again yesterday. As they came back, rallied, chipped away from a massive lead that the Kansas City Royals had piled up there inside Minute Maid Ballpark. And then Jordan Alvarez says, done. He's like, done. Game over. 
blouses. Done. Home run in the ninth. Second walk-off win over the holiday weekend. Back-to-back days walk-off wins for the Strohs, who have now won seven straight. That includes beating the Mets twice and the Yankees once, then sweeping the poor Los Angeles Angels over the weekend. If you missed what happened over the weekend involving the Strohs before the 4th of July holiday, not to worry, I'm here to give you the update. The Astros pitching staff is really, really, really good. Christian Javier, after being part of the combined no-hitter the week prior, goes out there and throws a career-high 14 strikeouts. Four of those, courtesy of Mike Trout. So Javier, 14 case. Framer Valdez, meanwhile, gets a no decision over the weekend despite six strong innings and striking out 13 batters. Bullpen was was right. Starting pitching was excellent. And they got the timely hitting that they needed. Pena walked them off on Sunday as they beat the Angels 4-2. Alvarez walks them off on Monday against the Royals. And they've won now seven straight. Mike Trout, meanwhile, in the three-game series against Houston, went 0-for-11 with nine strikeouts. Nine. Now even the generational talents that the Angels have are struggling just as much as the team is. Just as much. Yet the folks at the four-letter network can't help but write think pieces about just how special Otani is. Hey, let's not focus in on, you know, one of the best teams in baseball. Let's focus on a team that is 15 games behind first place. Let's write a big think piece about them and tracking just how great this player is. Okay. Okay. Did I click on the story? Nope, I went right past it. Because that's the type of nonsense that you don't need to concern yourself with. Once again, I've been to the Angels ballpark. I had an enjoyable time there back in the day. As I went for a game, I was in California once. Had a great time. Have no beef with the Angels whatsoever. I think they should just go back to being called the California Angels. Just makes sense to me. But the love affair and the constantly trying to shove things down our throats as baseball fans and as sports fans about a team that is poorly ran and is mediocre, it gets a little tiring after a while. Strohs keep on rolling. Once again, you can listen to them tussle with the Kansas City Royals tonight. 7-10 first pitch for Minute Maid. Astro launch will begin at 6.35. So you'll have Astro launch at 6.35, and then first pitch from the big juice box will be at 7.10. Over the weekend, Brian Kelly and his coaching staff were busy. Five commitments in four days for the 2023 class for Brian Kelly and company as they were able to get 
four-star prospects out of Indianapolis, Minnesota, and Baltimore. They got a kid, a three-star, out of Louisiana. And they got themselves another kid out of Georgia. But Brian Kelly is showing you just how talented a recruiter he is. And now he has no restrictions. For years, he was restricted by the fact that he was at Cincinnati with limited budget and having to fight that uphill battle of getting guys, convincing guys to come to a group of five school. He was able to do it. He was able to win there and was able to parlay that into the Notre Dame head coaching job. But at Notre Dame, you have restrictions as well, academic restrictions. Certain players that can play at Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas are not able to play at Notre Dame. Yet, Brian Kelly was able to put together really good draft class, uh, really good recruiting classes, rather, year after year after year at Notre Dame and convince these players to come play in South Bend with touchdown Jesus looking down upon them. Now he doesn't have the academic restrictions. Touchdown Jesus, as my producer, is perplexed by the reference by making an extremely animated facial expression, as if she was a cartoon. There's a big building behind the stadium of Jesus. It's behind an end zone, thus the moniker Touchdown Jesus. There we go. Glad I could help. I'll let you borrow my book, Saturday Shrines, by Sporting News, that describes all the college football stadiums. That way you can be a little bit more familiar. <laughs> yes, giant building, giant painting of Jesus looking down. Also, there's a Golden Dome at Notre Dame. Also, that's why they're nicknamed the Golden Domers. But now he doesn't have any of that. He's in the SEC. He's at LSU with all these resources and without the academic restrictions. So now he can recruit whoever he wants to come there. Is he going to recruit the state of Louisiana? Yes. Is he still going to have Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban and maybe even Lane Kiffin come in and poach kids from the state of Louisiana? Sure, sure is. Les Miles had that issue too, and so did Ed Orgeron. They had great moments where they put a fence around, but you can't keep everyone inside the state inside the state to play for LSU. So you're still going to have that. But Brian Kelly is showing you that he can go out and get guys in Notre Dame's backyard. He can get guys in Ohio State and Michigan and Minnesota's backyard and Penn State's backyard. He can go into Maryland and get guys. Heck, he even went into the state of Georgia and got somebody out of Kirby Smart's territory to come play for LSU. The recruiting is going to be just fine. Just fine. That's what he's showing you. Five commitments over the weekend in a span of four days. Got it done. Got the job done. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Darren to the show. Darren, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Yes, I would like to talk uh, the Kevin Durant news. Uh, do people really think he's going to sign with the Pelicans like any chance? 
Well, he's not going to approve it. Why would he approve a trade to the to to the New Orleans Pelicans? Is my question. Why would he do that? I mean, I mean like they're I ain't gonna say in a worse position than the Nets, but I don't think they're going to go any harder than the Nets could, could have taken them like any any other time, you know. I think they have more talent, and I think they're deeper than the Nets because I don't like the Nets roster and how it's constructed. I think they did a piss poor job of doing that because they just focused on the top end talent, and now they don't even have the top end talent. Um, so that's that that's a problem for them. But if you're Durant at your age and where you're at, are you going to go through a process where you're going to be joining a team that's going to have to learn how to win consistently? But I don't, I don't know. I, wanna, I don't think so. I want to make a point. I, I I I think he has a few destinations in mind. I know for one, one of them is Miami. I think he can end up in Boston if they make the right moves for him. And here's my dark horse team that I don't think nobody's talking about. I think he has, if he could, if you think about it, what you think about Cleveland? Because Cleveland has Colin Sexton, I think Darius Garland. They have the young guy, Mobley, who won Rookie of the Year. Of course, they have to learn how to win but they just don't have a veteran to lead them there. And Kevin Durant can prove to be the leader. And they also have Kevin Love, but I think they would have to give up Kevin Love to get him. And, of course, a couple of draft picks. Darren, that's interesting, brother, but I just don't see that as a destination. I really don't. I don't see him doing anything like that. I see I Durant. I don't really see it either, but I think that would be a good fit for him. I see, I see Durant wanting to go to a place that's – ready to win a title in the next two years right Miami Phoenix one of the one of the LA teams I could see him that that's where I see him possibly ending up is because I don't think he wants to build something I think trying to put together a superstar team in Brooklyn has soured him I don't think he wants to go back to where he his roots are where you had to build up and build a team around somebody I think he wants to go and win another title again and I, I, I actually think Miami makes the most sense for him. I really do because you're going to get pushed by a great coach and a great man that runs the front office. And, you know, Jimmy Butler would push him all day long. And I think Durant actually kind of likes a guy like that on, on the and team. Really and truly, I think he ends up with the Clippers. I think the Clippers trade either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard and make him the third man. Could be. Could be, but I appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy your day. Hope you and your family had a tremendous 4th of July. All right, same to you. Yeah, I could see him going to the Clippers. I could see that. I, I think the Clippers are more likely than the Lakers. And you could go to a place like the Clippers. He could play with Kawhi because Kawhi doesn't care if he's the focal point. Right, it just doesn't matter to him. I could see the Clippers, I could see Phoenix, but I really see Miami. I don't know. There's just part of me that just see feels like playing for the Heat and playing for Spo makes a lot of sense. Because even though he may not want to admit it, Durant needs to be around someone that's going to push him, and Spo would push him, and Jimmy Butler would push him. Now it would make things. That would make things tense from time to time. But look, Steve Kerr pushed him in Golden State. And Steph Curry and put Draymond pushed him. So, I could see that being a thing. And obviously, he would be the best player on the Heat's roster. 
without without you know without a doubt he'd be the man and then he would have a bunch of other dogs around him because that's what Miami has they don't have enough stars they have they have a plenty they have an abundance of guys who are just dogs they get after it they don't have a star you go to Miami you got Spo you got Pat Riley behind you you're surrounded by a bunch of dogs that have played for an NBA title in the last couple of years. Know how to make deep playoff runs. Mm. Miami makes a whole lot of sense to me for the KD sweepstakes. But the Pelicans are mentioned, have been rumored over the weekend about being a possible destination. That leads us to our poll question of the day. Should the Pelicans trade whoever they can for Kevin Durant? Right now, 84% of you say no. 16% say yes. JPK, the OD, has chimed in. Also using a gif of the Big Lebowski, which I'm here for. Why would you blow this team's chemistry when it's coming together for a backside of the bell curve walking mash unit? Bet you love the Sam Bowie draft pick also. <laughs> Hart says, seriously question the sanity of some Pelicans fans all weekend that are okay with getting rid of B.I. for KD. B.I. is the foundation of what makes this team special. Trading him away in any circumstance would be a huge mistake. Cajun fan has chimed in. Trading for Kevin Durant makes as much sense as trading for Deshaun Watson. Dat Cajun, at Lieutenant Cajun, says, by Zion, best ability is availability. That would be interesting. Because if I'm Brooklyn, obviously, KD doesn't want to be here, but he's under contract for like, what, three or four years? Be like, hey, oh, New Orleans, you want Kevin Durant? Great, here you go. We want Zion. Everyone's so focused on B.I. I understand why, because B.I. and Kevin Durant play the same position. But if I'm Brooklyn, don't you want the big kid? Just saying. But I do not believe whatsoever that David Griffin would ever trade Zion Williamson because that would admit that he made a mistake. And that's a cat whose ego is big enough that, uh, uh, no, 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 there'll be none of that. Oh, I made a mistake? No, 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 I didn't. Everything's good here. Everything's good. Salty Steve has chimed in. He says, first, he'd like to take a moment to thank Fondo, our buddy Nick Fondo, semi-pro gambler, who joins us every Friday for cashing tickets. I played against his Friday action on the Red Sox, and it paid for my 4th of July party. <laughs> Even Nick said that. Go against what I say. It's been, it's been working out for some people. As for the poll question, I think you could reincarnate the Dream Team, and Griff would find a way to screw it up. Yes, he would. Finally, KD is not getting any younger, often injured, and a Twitter nightmare. Sounds like an older version of AD. That's a big hell no from Salty Steve there with the comment. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Game hotline is open. You heard from Darren. Boom. You can chime in as well if you'd like. Want to talk LSU football recruiting? Want to talk Kevin Durant rumors? Zion Williamson extension? Houston Astros, seven-game winning streak. Love to hear from you. 
give us a call. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports talk in Southwest Louisiana. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score those great prizes to help with your date night blues. Once again, gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. $50 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. No, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. And a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. You can only win those by becoming a member of our clubhouse today. So go visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Click on the Clubhouse Rewards tab. We even have an instructional video to show you how to do it. It's that simple. It's easy. So go sign up today for our rewards club so we can help you out with your date night blues. Don't forget to keep voting on our poll question of the day. Should the Pelicans do whatever it takes to trade for Kevin Durant? I say no. Majority of you agree with me. Keep those votes coming. Leave those comments on Facebook and Twitter. Busy holiday weekend as we've already established Astros have now won seven straight after beating the Royals in walk-off fashion yesterday with the Jordan Alvarez home run. That's the second straight walk-off victory for the Strohs. They kept Mike Trout hitless over the weekend in that series against the Angels as the perennial MVP and uh, the reincarnation of Mickey Mantle went 0 for 11 with 9 Ks against the Astros pitchers. LSU, great recruiting haul as well over the weekend. Brian Kelly got four, five commitments rather in four days, including making it nationwide. Baltimore, Indy, Minnesota, getting guys left and right there to come down to play for the Tigers in Baton Rouge. But you know what else happened this weekend? USFL championship game. That's right. Spring football. Birmingham Stallions win the game over the Philadelphia Stars 33-30. It was a bit of a thriller. Stallions quarterback Alex Mago threw an eight-yard touchdown pass to Victor Bolden Jr. late in the game, and linebacker Scooby Wright III had a pick six to seal the victory. Alex came in, was thrust in the game after Jamar Smith was dealing with cramps. Birmingham coach, of course, is Skip Holtz, former Louisiana Tech head football coach. A lot of success there at Tech. They parted ways with him. He goes to the USFL and wins the championship in the reboot of the league. That was around briefly in the early to mid-80s. My question is, and this is what I ponder, we know they have the television contract through Fox. But was the first first season a success? They played all of their games, all of them, in Birmingham. 
They played the championship game in Canton, Ohio, where they play the Hall of Fame game. So that was kind of cool, right? But they didn't draw any fans. And I still haven't been able to figure out, was that because no one showed up to Birmingham to watch the games this season? Or there was some type of weird COVID restrictions in North Alabama? I, I don't know. They did that to start off launching the league. Now, reportedly, they're supposed to come and play in their home cities next season, next spring. Great. That means New Orleans Breakers, diehard Breaker fans, coach from my daughter's school, and myself and Nick Fondo will be able to go down and catch some Breaker games while wearing our New Orleans Breakers merchandise. But I could absolutely see them delaying that for another year. Where are the Breakers going to play? Are they going to play at Tulane? You can't put them in the Superdome because no one showed up for games in Birmingham. So where are they going to play? Are they actually going to play in their cities next year? They were on television, which is great, but here's the problem with that. I'm not the only one, and I know a lot of you out there listening feel the same way. You couldn't find any information about the games. We tried to reach out to set up interviews with players and coaches. I never heard back via email, and it was a struggle even to find who is their PR department. There's no news on ESPN about them because they're on a rival television network, and ESPN and Fox are kind of butting heads to dominate college football, much less other sports. So they didn't do a very good job of getting their message out. They didn't do a very good job of promoting themselves. They didn't get butts in the stands. So all in all, I found the USFL to be entertaining. I think there's a role. I think there is a, a spot for spring football in this country. But there's still plenty of work to be done here. It's a great season. First of all, they got through the season, which is something the la the latest version of the XFL and the Alliance were unable to do, remember? They were unable to get through their seasons. USFL got through their first season back. They were able to crown a champion. That's a win. They got a television contract. That's a win. But they have to figure out to do a better job of getting their product out. A lot of people didn't even know where to go to find their games where to go to get information about the teams. Now, they have a Twitter presence, but you need more than that. You need to be able to have your coaches and your players be interviewed. You have to be able to do publicity. You have to have these teams play in their home markets as well because that's the other part of it. They did that to ensure because they were unsure about pandemic regulations and getting the league off the ground. Now that they got it off the ground, now it can come back to the home markets, but they're going to – Bringing these teams back to the home markets, great idea. But you're going to have to just do a publicity blitz like you've never seen before to get the word out, to get butts in the stand, and get people to care about these teams. They crowned a champion. Congratulations to the Birmingham Stallions. It's a foundation season for the USFL. Television contract, and you crowned a champion. Great. But there's a lot more work to be done if the USFL is to succeed in this country and have spring football succeed. Because here's the other part of this. Competition is coming their way 
with the XFL now owned and operated by The Rock. XFL 3.0, if you will, is coming. So the USFL, they got their product out there. Now it's time to make it better. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, college football, what's next? USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. Who's left? I have some ideas who I think is going to join the Big Ten and what should happen with the rest of the Pac-12 and how the Big 12 can make themselves a whole lot better. That's all going to be coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 5th, 1975, Arthur Ashe becomes the first African-American to win Wimbledon as he beats countryman Jimmy Connors 6-1-6-1-5-7-6-4. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. Brand new, out of the box. What? This is what you're going to have to do. You want to score that Apple Watch, right? You want that on your old wrist. Want to look hip, cool. You want to be on fleek. Nah, I'll stop now. I'm not. That, that's not helping sell it, is it? <laughs> I, I am not a salesman. All you have to do to win the new Apple Watch, which is cool is join our brand new text club. Simply text the word GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100. I'll say it again. That's the word GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win a brand new Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and so much more. Once again, to win a new Apple Watch, simply text our new text club. The word GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100. It's the Games Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Poll question of the day. Should the Pelicans trade whoever they can to the Brooklyn Nets for Kevin Durant? He, the Pelicans, are actually rumored to be in the mix here, which I'm surprised by. I say no. Right now, 87% of you agree with me. 13% do say yes. Look, Durant's a great player. Great player. But I wouldn't do it. Nor do I think he's really interested in coming to New Orleans either, to be perfectly frank with you. Brad on Twitter, our buddy Brad. Shares a gift. Stop in the name of humanity. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. As always. 
right now, let's take a little moment to talk about college football realignment. So, we know USC, UCLA are leaving. That is confirmed. They're going to be leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten for the 2024 season. We know that's going to be a done deal. That's already been voted on by the Big Ten. It's a wrap. So that's done. Where does that leave the Pac-12? Where do they go from here? How do they tackle this? How do they, quote-unquote, survive? It's a hostile takeover. There used to be the alliance between the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12. And, but now, what do they do? I I feel the smartest move is that you're still going to see a few teams getting poached out of the Pac-12 here. Stanford makes a lot of sense for the Big Ten. Makes a lot of sense for that to happen. Because Stanford fits their academic requirements. Also gives you another team in California. I don't think the Big Ten is done. I think they're going to want to be coast to coast here. But if they lose any more teams, the Pac-12 cannot survive. I also believe tops on the list for the Big Ten is going to be, without a doubt, Oregon. I keep hearing rumors that Oregon is a top their list of teams that they want to go. Oregon wants to join the Big Ten. The feeling is mutual. Makes a lot of sense, especially with Nike essentially propping up Oregon. You get a lot of that Nike money now. Makes a ton of sense. So I think USC and UCLA are just the beginning. I could see Oregon easily joining the Big Ten and then go from there. But where does that leave? I think this leaves an opportunity, to be perfectly frank with you, for the Big 12. I think the Big 12 should be aggressive here. I think the Big 12 should go after some of these Pac-12 teams. And I think they should target Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. It makes a ton of sense for the Big 12 to do this. Look at the Big 12's footprint right now as it is. Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, they've added Houston, they've added BYU now. After they were poached by losing Texas and Oklahoma. The Pac-12 is reeling. The Pac-12 is a little desperate right now. You have an opportunity, a golden opportunity if you're the Big 12, to strengthen yourself. You can grow your conference. You can make yourself even bigger. Help with your footprint. And if you add Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, you have just improved your standing. And you have secured your future as a conference. It just makes a lot of sense. It fits their footprint on what the Big 12 would want to do. Now, obviously, they couldn't be called the Big 12 anymore. But this would give them a golden opportunity. Once again, USC and UCLA, they're joining the Big Ten starting in 2024. That's a done deal. Oregon feels like they're on deck. Also feels like Washington could join them as well. 
So you take two schools from California, you take the other two schools from the Pacific Northwest. That would leave out Oregon State, unfortunately. And there you go. If the Big Ten extends the invitation, I see Oregon and possibly even Washington joining them. But then that leaves most of the teams in the Pac-12 South. According to a report from Jason Shear of 247 Sports, Arizona could be meeting with officials from the Big 12 as early as this week to explore the possible move to the Big 12. And that's not all. Three other Pac-12 schools could contemplate a move to the Big 12 as well. For me, that's Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. Once again, remember, Colorado used to be in the Big 12 already, so that would make a lot of sense. Could be an awkward situation, but I don't think that's happening. I thought Colorado would make a lot of sense for the Big Ten, but it doesn't feel that it doesn't feel like they're interested in them at all. Feels like the Big Ten is more interested in, in getting Oregon and Washington than they are Colorado and Utah. So there you go. You make that play if you're the Big 12. Be aggressive. This would essentially kill the Pac-12 because they'd lost USC and UCLA, and then they would sit there and turn around, and then they would lose or they would lose Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. If I'm those four schools, do I wait around to see what the Pac-12 does? Or do I go ahead and say, I got a new home in the Big 12. If I'm the Big 12, I'm aggressive here going after this because realignment, everything is shifting underneath us. We can make our conference stronger. Why not go ahead and do it? And I think all the teams in the Big 12 currently would be down for this. Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, they would love to add Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Makes a lot of sense for them. BYU, a new member, would love to have Utah, their rival, in the same league with them. It makes a lot of sense. also makes a lot of sense for Oregon and Washington to go to the Big Ten. What does that do for Stanford? They're going to be the team left out. Oregon State, are they really all that relevant? Not really. Cal, not really. So what happens to Stanford? It's interesting to see there. It really is. And, of course, I also believe the Big Ten is going to be aggressive not only on the West Coast but also in the Midwest and the East Coast. Definitely see them putting on a full-on push to get the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, to join their conference. And I was asked over the weekend, what about the SEC? Do they try to get some more Big 12 teams? I think they're done. I think they turned their focus on the ACC. I think the SEC is now going to turn their attention to Florida State, Miami, Duke, North Carolina, Georgia Tech. Once the Pac-12 falls, and it looks like it's on the, on the brink of falling and crumbling, I think you're going to see your attention from the Big Ten and the SEC. The Big 12 will try to survive, but then the Big Ten and the SEC will turn their attention to poaching the ACC and picking it clean. we got to take a timeout. Wrap up our number two. That will be coming up next right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh, me, oh, my crawfish. By those Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball. Winners of seven straight after yesterday's win 
against the Kansas City Royals. And guess what? You can see the Strohs live in person. Listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston is going to be taking on the fighting Seattle Mariners, a.k.a. April's champions, a.k.a. Hannah Five Names This Team. On Saturday, July 30th, weekend series, and you can watch them live there in person. Register in the game clubhouse right now at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night for the Saturday, July 30th game between the Mariners and the Astros. Once again, Strohs, Mariners, Minute Maid Ballpark, four tickets, tour of the ballpark, and hotel accommodations. It's our latest Astros weekend getaway, but you can only win it by becoming a member of our clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astro weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's check in on the old poll question of the day while we have a few moments, shall we? We asked you, Rumors are the Pelicans could be a possible trade destination for Kevin Durant. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I don't see Kevin Durant coming to New Orleans. The Pelicans have invested time and money into Brandon Ingram. Remember, that he's got the contract extension. They just signed up Zion Williamson, gave him the rookie max contract extension. They put together all these pieces. They just made the playoffs. Made the playing tournament and the playoffs. Willie Green entering a second year. Do you add Kevin Durant to that mix? I think the Pels would be interested. But you're going to have to give up a ton. You're going to have to give up B.I. You're going to have to give up multiple first-round picks. Durant is a generational talent. Make no bones about it. Generational talent. Future Hall of Famer. But he hasn't been healthy for a couple years. Things did not go well in Brooklyn. Do you want to add that guy? You're going to have to give up B.I. probably. You're going to have to give up your lottery pick this year that you like out of Australia and multiple picks. Could you figure out a way to have C.J. McCollum and Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson all play together? Sure. Are the New Orleans Pelicans one great player away from a championship run? I don't think so. And once again, I don't believe Durant would sign off on being traded to New Orleans. I could be completely wrong. And if it happens, that's going to be box office. You're going to see the Pelicans on television all the time. I get it. I just don't see him signing off on that. I think the Los Angeles Clippers, Phoenix Suns, and Miami Heat would be your top three destinations for Kevin Durant or possibly just Brooklyn. Because remember, he's under contract for the next three to four years. So not only are you going to have to find someone to trade him to, but you're going to have to find somebody that's going to be able to absorb that contract, which is massive. That's not easy to do. But I just don't think the Pelicans are a destination for Kevin Durant. I just don't. He's now 30 years old. He's in the prime of his career. Is he going to want to be part of building something in New Orleans? Ah, 
I mean, he just feels like he's now, hey, I'm going to stay in a place for a couple years and move on to another place. And that's fine. He's allowed to do that. As long as he keeps making money, hey, who am I to fault him? But I just don't see New Orleans as a possible destination. I really don't. Poll question of the day is about the rumors coming out this past holiday weekend about the Pelicans being a possible trade partner for the Nets for Kevin Durant. We asked you, should the Pels trade whoever they can for KD? That means giving up Zion, you do it. If that means giving up BI, you do it. If that means giving up all your draft picks, you do it. That's what we mean here. 87% of you have overwhelmingly said no. Only 13% say yes. Plenty of comments to look over. You guys have come out strong on this poll question of the day. Appreciate you for that. But I just don't see it as a legit spot. Rumor mill is the rumor mill. But I don't see him saying New Orleans, yeah. I think it would probably be best for Durant to go to a smaller market, if I'm being perfectly honest. You would have the KD that was in Oklahoma City. I think once he got to bigger markets like San Francisco and Golden State and Brooklyn, and he's got all the Twitter stuff, he's kind of sensitive. You're not as protected in a bigger market like that. In a smaller market, you're going to be more protected. So I just don't know. I, I just don't see him going to the to the Pelicans. Robert Duplichan has commented on Facebook. He says, nope, love the efficiency. David Ackerman Jr. says, no, love that efficiency. And Blaine Smith says, hell no. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, we'll kick it off talking recruiting. What a weekend on the recruiting trail for Brian Kelly and LSU. Jarrett Rozier will help break it down for us next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company on this Tuesday, July the 5th edition of the show. Holiday weekend is in the books. I don't know about you, but I had a heck of a time this weekend. Spent it with family and friends. Did a multitude of things this past holiday weekend in the Parch household. On Sunday after church, we got my mother-in-law. We were able to get her out of the nursing home. She had her siblings come into town. So we had a homemade family meal at my wife's nanny's house right there on the outskirts of Sunset, almost into Kington. Shout out to Uncle Loisy with the fresh vegetables. I'm talking fresh tomatoes. I'm not talking about the stuff you buy at the store. I'm talking about fresh vegetables. And for the first time ever, I had a crawfish etouffee based with tomatoes, which was different, and I liked it. So it was good to be able to to, uh, have that 
with my wife's family, and in particular for her mom. She had a great time with that, seeing get to see her siblings. So we had a great uh, lunch get-together on Sunday, and then yesterday on the 4th, we had two things. First up, it was pool party cookout at some of our friends from church. Their little girl's the same age as our daughter, Hattie. So there was a pool party because they have a pool at their house cooking out. My man Jared made a brisket. Typically, people that believe they're really good at barbecuing in person are not. This was one of the few times I ate someone's homemade barbecue that tasted maybe even better than a restaurant. It was a game changer. Had a great time at the pool party. And then we went to Leonville last night to see the free fireworks show there on the bayou. Capped off a great weekend. Tremendous weekend. But now the weekend's over. Holiday weekend is in the rearview mirror. Or mirror, depending on what part of the state you're from. <laughs> I don't know why I said mirror when I'm from New Orleans today. But we weren't the only ones that had a great weekend. The LSU football team did, in particular Brian Kelly, flexing up with his recruiting muscles and getting guys from Indianapolis, Minnesota, Baltimore, Maryland, and just getting now guys from eight different states, 11 commitments for the 2023 class from 11 different states. To break down the weekend haul for us is a man who works for Tiger Details, among other outlets, our recruiting analyst, our preferred recruiting analyst, if you will, Mr. Jarrett Rozier joins us now. Jarrett, good morning to you, brother. How are you? How was your holiday weekend, my friend? <laughs> it was a uh, it was a great weekend, Ray. Uh, I'm up in the like northeast slash Rust Belt. Uh, been up here since last Tuesday. I had a couple days in in Pittsburgh, getting ready to head over to Cincinnati for the weekend for uh, one of our college friends' weddings. Um, you guys had Tyler Batiste on the station a ton um, up at is in his roommate's place, uh, and so we rode over to Cincinnati on Thursday and had a lot of wedding festivities in Cincinnati all weekend long. I got back out to Pittsburgh last night, and so still in a little bit of recovery mode from trying to juggle five LSU commitments in four days with uh, a full weekend slate of wedding festivities. But it was certainly a good weekend um, for for me and for the LSU Tigers, and I think. Both of those are going to kind of continue into this week. I'm up here until Thursday, and it sounds like LSU is going to have some more commitments on the way as early as today and certainly a couple through the rest of the week. So time out. You decide to take a trip up to the Rust Belt to the Midwest, and it just <laughs> so happens that Brian Kelly goes through a tear getting guys from that section of the country. Am I supposed to believe that's just a happy coincidence? Yeah, you've got to because one of the the guys they were in on actually that they did not get this weekend, one of a few misses was a, a kid in Cincinnati on Thursday that committed to, or on Friday he committed to Ohio State, his uh, his home state team. So if, if my job was to help out in this region of the country, then that, you know, I may be more to blame than the credit. But um, really, yeah, just, I mean, a credit to – not only Brian Kelly, but defensive line coach Jamar Kane, who had a huge weekend of those five commits for our uh, defensive linemen that you know Jamar Kane has been very uh, heavily involved with and, and leading the way with their recruitments. Uh, and so, if you're looking for where to, to point the, the positive fingers, it's it's 
it's Jamar Kane kind of leading the way and, and the rest of that staff. <clears throat> Jared, let's let's break down the five commitments in four days. I want to start with the young man here in the state of Louisiana. They took care of one of the homegrown kids from Archbishop Roma. What can you tell us? Yeah, Ashton Stamps, fantastic defensive back who I think is, is really just starting to scratch the surface, got in there and, and played a bigger role for his high school team as a junior. And some of that junior film started to catch some some Power 5 attention um, earlier this spring. He, he'd been a really under-the-radar guy, and I started hearing from a couple of Power 5 schools that were, were asking about what his deal was because you saw some of, some of his flashes of really high potential um, from what he was able to do in the fall. And LSU got involved there with him, Coach Steeples, Coach Cooks and company, uh, and really were on him throughout the spring and just wanted more chances to see him in person. And he made the effort in June to get to Baton Rouge campus any time he could. Uh, made, made the trip up to LSU, competed, I think, in every single camp session they had and showcased what he could do against some of the top prospects from not only around the state, but around the country. And at that elite prospects camp in mid-June, I picked up his scholarship offer. And I think at that point, you kind of knew he was LSU-bound. Talked to him a little bit last week leading into uh, his commitment yesterday. And, and he talked about how he was a kid that had always grown up wanting to play for LSU. It was kind of a no-brainer. And as much as LSU is recruiting nationally right now, that he knows the importance of having a good Louisiana core that any of the teams that he looked up to as some of the best LSU teams uh, that, that he watched as a kid always had some great Louisiana talent. And he wants to be a big part of, of that as this new coaching staff tries to, to bring the Tigers back up the mountaintop and compete for national championships. All right, let's talk about the young man. They were able to go poach in uh, the backyard of the defending national champs, the young man from Georgia. Yeah, Darren Reed is a guy that LSU outbattled. Ohio State, Florida State was heavily involved with him. Clemson was in there at one point. Texas A&M came in late. Auburn was involved throughout. Uh, a big, versatile defensive lineman. Uh, you know, we list him at rivals as, as kind of a strong side defensive end. I think he's going to have an opportunity to bulk up and potentially play inside, uh, depending on what they need him to do at the next level. But just, I mean, a, a big, long frame, extremely strong, but quick, quick as well for for his size, explosive uh, off the snap, and and quick in his uh, in his rush moves. And so, I thought that was a big win. I don't know that his rankings right now, he's, he's listed as a three star, really uh, do him justice for the player that that he's probably going to end up projecting as being. Uh, and so, to look at a guy that had some of those other options around not only the region but the country. A huge win uh, yesterday for Jamar Kane to have uh, Darren and, and Ashton actually announce at pretty much the same exact time that uh, I was sitting at a pizzeria in Columbus uh, on Ohio State's campus making my way back to Pittsburgh and, and LSU's landing both of those guys simultaneously, including one they beat the Buckeyes out for. So that was a, a nice way to start the afternoon yesterday on the holiday. Talking with Jarrett Rozier, Rivals recruiting analyst and the recruiting analyst we trust. He joins us here on RP3 and company on this lovely Tuesday, July the 5th morning. All right, bud. 
Let's move on to the guys well out of the typical footprint for recruiting. And this is Brian Kelly utilizing his talents as a recruiter from his days at Cincinnati, where he had to convince guys to come to a group of five school. And then at Notre Dame, where he had to find guys from the Midwest and the Rust Belt to come to Notre Dame that also met academic requirements. He doesn't have those academic requirements anymore, so he's like a kid in the candy store. But let's talk about the big tight end defensive end, Jackson Howard, out of Minnesota. How did he get on LSU's radar, and how impressive is he? Yeah, Jackson Howard is, as far as the rivals' rankings, the the highest ranked of the bunch, a top 100 player nationally for this 2023 class. Listed as a tight end by rivals, certainly has high-level tight end potential, but is a heck of a defensive end for his high school team up there at uh, Robbinsdale Cooper in, in New Hope, Minnesota. He's the, the son of former Stanford and Minnesota Vikings defensive end, Willie Howard, who was a second-round NFL pick before he, he had some injury issues early on in his career uh, and, and uh, retired from his playing career early. He's Jackson's head coach up there at Robbinsdale Cooper, and uh, Jackson had the option to stay close to home and go to Minnesota. He had options around the Big Ten, including Michigan, was very heavily involved with him. I had other options down throughout the Southeast, but LSU had, had been involved with him for quite a while. He, he made multiple trips down to Baton Rouge, was in town for the spring game, had an official visit just a couple weeks ago, and just really liked every uh, every picture that, that Brian Kelly, Jamar Kane, and company were painting. Um, and it looks like he's more likely to start out on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you know, he still has a, a year plus before he's on campus and or close to a year before he's on campus. And, and they start to work through some of that, but he's a guy that as much as we have listed as a tight end is, uh, is more likely to be a defensive end uh, when he gets to college. We'll see how it, it pans out, but high level potential on both sides of the ball, uh, you know, two, two way player in football, multi-sport athlete, and just, highly regarded all-around prospect and young man. All right. They get the kid out of Minnesota to commit. They also get one out of Indianapolis uh, right there. You know, hey, that's prime recruiting grounds for Notre Dame and Ohio State and Michigan. They like to poach the Indy area, as does Penn State. Uh, What can you tell us about the uh, young man that Brian Kelly was able to get to commit over the weekend? Yeah, Josh Mickens from Indianapolis is – I think similar to what I was saying with Darren Reed, a guy that's been a little bit more under the radar um, in terms of his, his rankings and whatnot, but uh, certainly had a, a long list of colleges that were, were trying to get you know, what could be a steal in a, in a three-star defensive end. Uh, he, the difference is he's, he's a longer, leaner. Uh, he's, he's got some strength to him, but he's not – quite as, uh, as as big and physical as a Darren Reed or uh, the, the Baltimore kid, Deshaun Womack. He's, he's more of a, a quickness and, and finesse guy off the edge there. Another multi-sport athlete who competes in track and basketball. I think you'll see him continue to bulk up over the next couple of years and, and reach his full potential. But uh, a guy that they saw uh, some really impressive tools there and, and think that he is going to be someone that uh, has a chance to really make an impact uh, during his career in L- at LSU in Baton Rouge. All right, bud, let's get the last one of the five, and that's the young man in Baltimore. Typically not an area that LSU is able to recruit. 
Um, what can you tell us, and how big of a deal is it going into Baltimore to get a guy like that? Yeah, big deal. He's a Deshaun Womack's a fantastic player, and alluded to some of his uh, you know attributes there. Talking about some of the other guys, he's he's another big physical guy on the defensive front that may have an opportunity to, to be kind of a versatile guy and, and play a little inside, uh, certainly on some, some third down pass rush situ- situations, but um, more likely to, to stay predominantly on the, the outside there and, and rush from the end spot. And when you talk about going into Baltimore and just that DMV Metroplex area, that's a, a hotbed for some talent up in that region of the country. And you saw, uh, Ed Orgeron and the previous staff try to work that area a little bit, and obviously it's an area where Brian Kelly and company now feel like they can pull some top talent and, and get a big one later on on Monday afternoon. Uh, and so, yeah, another huge addition for this class. People are starting to to ask, was LSU falling behind recruiting-wise, uh, sitting at at six six commitments uh, entering July, entering July, and we're at just five commitments uh, about a week and a half ago. So to go out there, uh, add Kyle Parker a couple weeks back, and now have a huge weekend where you had five new commitments from all over the country and, and hit some hot spots like that where uh, you know a guy like a Deshaun Womack committing to LSU could mean positive things for, for some of the other prospects around that area that, that look up to him, including coming from a fantastic football program there at St. Francis in Baltimore that, that tends to produce guys year in and year out. I think it's a big win for LSU to get that individual player as well as to, to kind of continue that pipeline and, and presence up in the DMV. All right, Jared, we'll get you out of here with this. Is this, we're finally, look, first class in the books, solid, great foundation class. This is really his second class, and really his true first class as the head coach of the LSU football team. You know, people were concerned, oh, he doesn't know how, he's not going to be able to know how to recruit the South. I counter with he knows how to recruit nationwide because that's what he's had to do, and he had all those academic restrictions at Notre Dame that he doesn't have to worry about now. Are we starting to see Brian Kelly kind of really step into his own as a recruiter for the LSU Tigers? Yeah, I think this was a big message weekend or a weekend of, of them hitting their stride. Just like you mentioned, that the 2022 class, they came in extremely late and had to just kind of play play some catch-up and, and finish some things out. And then even with this 23 class, you're talking about guys that a lot of the other programs that were recruiting them are programs that had been on them for a year or more, and so there was. There's been a lot of catch up to play in 2023. When when you talk about a staff that didn't come into place until uh, until winter, from mid December on into mid January, and so it took them a little bit of time to to build those relationships, play some of the catch up, build the rapport, and, and in some cases, flip some of these guys from directions they they were more likely to head than than they would have been to go to LSU um, when when this staff took over, and so you get a little taste of exactly how well they can recruit the type of talent they can bring in uh, both from Louisiana and pretty much every corner of the country. Cause you've now, we talk about these five locations that, that LSU landed guys from uh, this weekend, but there's already a really highly regarded California defensive back on the other coast. That's that's on board. That's considered one of the steals of one of the big recruiting stories of the 23 cycle so far. And so, uh, you're definitely starting to see some victories. And like I said, I think 
LSU fans are going to want to keep an eye on this week because there appear to be more to come uh, and more to come from some far-reaching locations as well. Jarrett, appreciate your time as always, my friend. Enjoy your time up in the Rust Belt. Enjoy being in the Queen City as well. And we'll talk to you next week, brother. Appreciate y'all, man. Y'all have a great one. Jarrett Rozier. Chiming in with the latest updates on LSU recruiting. My man's putting in the hard work while out of town on vacation for our friends impending nuptials. Yet he's out there still reporting, doing his thing. Look, this is where Brian Kelly's going to step in. They are going to lose guys to Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban and maybe even Lane Kiffin. That's always going to happen. And I know it fires up and it makes the LSU fan base angry. But here's the thing. Brian Kelly knows how to go get guys out of Minnesota, Indiana, Maryland, and elsewhere. He's going to be able to go poach some of the better players from other states as well. They're going to be just fine. Guy's a masterful recruiter. You saw what he did at Cincinnati. You saw what he did at Notre Dame, despite having limitations and restrictions. Now he's not going to have any of that. He gets to play with all the toys in the store, so to speak. And it's going to benefit LSU greatly. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. What's an Apple Watch? You do. I can already tell. Holiday weekend's behind you. You're probably at a barbecue, at a cookout, watching the fireworks. You said, hey, that guy over there's got an Apple Watch. That looks pretty cool. Man, I wish I could get my hands on one. But I got to pay enormous rates right now for gas. I don't have time. I don't have the money, the funds, if you will, to go drop a few hundred dollars on a new Apple Watch. Dang it, I really want one. Not to worry. Because your friends here at the game got you covered. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We want to hook you up with a brand new, right out of the box, Apple Watch. All you have to do is, to win this bad boy is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337 288 8100. That's 337 288 8100. Text the word GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other tremendous prizes like Houston Astros tickets and so much more. It's the game's brand new text club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Go check it out today. Let's check in on the poll question of the day, shall we? Yeah, I just did a little drum beat on the, the desk here inside the studio. We asked you, should the Pelicans trade whoever they can for Kevin Durant? <clears throat> Rumor mill ramped up over the holiday weekend about KD. Early reports that he wants out of Brooklyn. He's requested for a trade. Phoenix, Miami topped that list. We also heard one of the Los Angeles teams. It feels like to me it probably would be the Clippers. 
if I had to guess. But then, around the same time that Zion Williamson signed his rookie max extension for nearly $230 million, reports came out that the Pelicans could be a trade partner for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, when I first heard this, I said, well, it must be like for some type of three-team trade, and maybe it could still be that. But other reports say, hey, Kevin Durant could come to New Orleans. I don't buy it. You've heard me say that before on today's show. I don't buy it. But we asked you, should the Pelicans do it? Because if they do, they would probably have to give up Brandon Ingram, this year's lottery pick, the young man from Australia, the point guard, and then three future first-round picks. It's going to take a lot because Durant's under contract for at least three years at an enormous rate. So we ask you, should the Pelicans trade whoever they can for Kevin Durant? And 87% of you say firmly no. 13% say yes. A lot of you feel like you're building up some good chemistry. Why throw a monkey wrench into that? Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. We'll talk more about these rumors about Kevin Durant, about the ridiculous amount of contract extensions worth 224 mil or more that are being handed out like candy in the NBA this free agency period when Ali Cassell joins us and that'll be coming up next that's right the editor-in-chief of the bird rights will join us live discuss the pills what do they do are they really in contention for Kevin Durant or not that's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Pierre the Pelican and the King Cake Baby consider him a close personal friend. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Or at least a Facebook friend or MySpace friend. Is MySpace still a thing? I wonder what Tom is up to these days. He's desperate. He'd sleep with a meat grinder. Time for some more friendly Pelicans talk on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes. That's right. How about a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou? You can also score yourself a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score those great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. In addition to gift certificates to help with those date night blues, look, gas prices are high right now. We understand you got to pinch pennies. We want to hook you up so you can take your lady out for a great time. But in addition to the gift certificates, you're also going to have the opportunity to win concert tickets, station swag, and Astros tickets. Go sign up for our Game Clubhouse today. It's so easy. We even made an instructional video for you at our website at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. 
It's time for us to talk New Orleans Pelicans NBA with the man who's in charge of the bird rights, our good friend, Ollie Cassell. Ollie, good morning to you, brother. How was your holiday weekend, my friend? Good morning, Raymond. It was surprisingly uneventful, which is a good thing. I have three dogs and the fireworks do not agree with them. So fortunately, it was quiet around in my neighborhood. <laughs> See, I usually say my dog uh, is not a benefit, but the fact that she's deaf is for the 4th of July weekend. <laughs> That's the only time. You're a lucky man almost, just for that one day anyways. <laughs> just for the one day. Now, the rest of the time when I'm taking her on walks and she doesn't hear the leaves coming by her and then she starts going crazy and attacking them, that's a discussion for another day. All right, bud. So what can you tell us? Uh, a Lots of chatter about the New Orleans Pelicans maybe being a destination for this Kevin Durant trade. At first, when I heard this, I thought, well, maybe they'd be involved as the third team in a trade. What can you tell us, and do you think there's any chance in Hades that KD is suited up for the New Orleans Pelicans next season? Well, the Pelicans are fortunate that they have a load of talent, and they're one of the young rising teams. And that's usually what these superstars that can't get to the perfect home that they want to get to uh, maybe end up going to. So almost immediately when Kevin Durant announced that he wants to trade out of Brooklyn, uh, the Pelicans, along with Toronto Raptors and a few other teams, were the ones that were initially mentioned after people talked about, you know, the Phoenix Suns and Miami Heat being on his list. So it's been there from the start. I'm not sure about the probability, but I will say that um, the Pelicans have the talent, right? Zion now, people have to understand, since he signed or agreed to his extension, he hasn't officially signed it, but, you know, for all intent purposes, that's going to happen. With him signing it, he cannot be traded now for six months. So if there was to be any potential deal, say for Kevin Durant, Zion couldn't be included for those six months. So now everybody's turned to Brandon Ingram. And of course, you know, the horde of uh, young players and future assets that the Pelicans have. Like I said, I feel like it's a long shot. I think that the Phoenix Suns are probably still in the lead. And you've got to think that Kevin Durant, if he really wanted to go to the Pelicans, he would have said it. So I think that's got to play a big part, right? Especially in David Griffin's mind. Why are you going to be breaking apart this promising core and potentially giving away, what, two, three really good players along with a heck of assets? Look how many it just costs to get Rudy Gobert to Minnesota, right? So that's scary. Kevin Durant's going to be 34. Now, I know he's one of the best players. So there's a lot of things, right? You have to weigh if you're the Pelicans. And just right now, like I said, I don't see it as the probability being any probably higher than, say, 2 3 4%. It's really low, I think, in my mind. I feel that it's really low as well. And when I see the landscape, you know, Phoenix, Miami, I understand. Even the Los Angeles Clippers, I think, makes a lot of sense. I think Miami's the team for Kevin Durant, though, because – as much as he can be difficult and as much as he's sensitive, especially with social media, Pat Riley and Spostra know how to, one, coach and protect their stars. They've done it their entire careers. You know you can win in Miami and win championships. We've seen how good this team is in recent years. And a guy like Jimmy Butler, even though he may get under Kevin Durant's skin, Durant does his best work when he's had someone that pushes him like he was in Golden State when Steph and Draymond pushed him. I, it, for me, it feels like Miami is, the, is the, the number one destination for Durant. See, I would have agreed with you had Miami just had more assets. That's the problem. If Brooklyn doesn't move Ben Simmons, they can't trade for Adebayo because the team's not allowed to have 
there's certain designations and rules, right? So that's right. That's right. Signed a, yeah, designated rookie extension. Guess what? Adebayo's got one too. So if Brooklyn was a trade for him, you can't have two of those guys on your roster that you traded for. So he's Miami's best asset. If you can't include him, I don't know how you can put together a package that would satisfy, right? Brooklyn. On top of that, I've heard, you know, and we've got to expect Kevin Durant wants to play with good players. He doesn't want to go to a gutted team. So you got to think he wants to play with Jimmy Butler and Adebayo at a minimum. So I think Miami is really a long shot. And that's why I really like Phoenix because they've got enough assets to maybe do something right with Aiton. maybe go ahead and ship off bridges, even though probably, of course, they don't want to. That's why I'm looking at them. Now, what I've been lately hearing is Toronto is kind of emerging maybe as, as the um, legitimate dark horse over, say, the Pelicans or somebody else, because they've got Scotty Barnes, Masai. He's done it before with Kawhi Leonard. It just seems to make a little bit more sense for Toronto than it does maybe New Orleans. Toronto. Is there enough assets there, Toronto, to put around Durant for them to make a title run? I think so. Uh, well, yeah, good question. If Brooklyn gets, say, Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, that hurts because what's left up there? Just Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent, you know, Precious Achua. Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you're looking at a lot of bare bones, right? I mean, Fred Van Fleet, he's wonderful. He's an all-star. But beyond him, it, it would get meager. Quick and Anubi, I forgot him, but still, you can't put them ahead of what Boston, Milwaukee at a minimum. I mean, Philadelphia. No, I, I'm I'm with you, Raymond. I don't think they'd be instant championship contenders at all. What would the Clippers have to give up, and the Suns have to give up to get Kevin Durant? Well, with the Suns is that's the best one I think to look at because I feel like that's the most probable one. It sounds like Brooklyn's not interested in DeAndre, so they're going to have to involve a third team to somebody that would take Aiden. Um, I've heard that they do like Miles Bridges, but of course they would also have to get what, four, maybe five first rounders. That also probably includes some pick swaps as well. Like I said, this Rudy Gobert deal, I think really ruined any potential deal that other teams were thinking for Kevin Durant. Suddenly his price really went through the roof. So that's, I think probably going to be the biggest sticking point. And I honestly don't expect the deal for Kevin Durant to happen for months. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. As for the Clippers, you know, they, they're full of salary. And I can't imagine that the Nets want that. Um, it, it sure feels like they want to go on a full-on rebuild. But then again, they did just trade for Royce O'Neal. That doesn't make any sense unless you kind of want to win. You still have Ben Simmons. So maybe, you know, would they want to part with, I mean, what, they've got Kawhi and Paul George. You got to think they got to keep them. But beyond them, they've got a lot of, like, good role players. Norman Powell, Robert Covington. Just resigned Zubach. Um, but like I said, I, is that entertaining to you if you're kind of trying to build something afresh, something anew? I don't see it. Role players don't do it. They don't move the needle in the NBA. No. So what's the likelihood, in your opinion, as it stands right now, July 5th, that, in fact, Kevin Durant just remains in Brooklyn? I think he's going to be there once training camp's open. I think unless Phoenix can somehow come up with whatever Brooklyn really wants – you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Aiden go to Utah, say, for instance. And then Utah, who just got a bunch of picks from Minnesota, uses some of those to entice Brooklyn. Now, if Brooklyn's not interested in a full rebuild, well, that changes the story, the topic entirely. And maybe suddenly that thrusts, you know, New Orleans because they've got Brandon Ingram, who I personally wouldn't want to trade for, uh, even though it's Kevin Durant. But, yeah, it's so up in the air right now. But either way, Raymond, it doesn't feel like it's going to get done quickly. So, yeah. Kevin Durant's going to be in Brooklyn, I think, by the time we're talking about next season. 
Talking to Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, talking Pels, talking NBA with him here on RP3 and Company. I, I want to talk about the Jazz because longtime coach steps away. They part ways with them. There's, that's still, that seems like a weird situation to me. And then one of their foundation pieces gets traded. Uh, if I'm Donovan Mitchell, am I looking around going, um, uh, what's going on? Absolutely. I'd heard during this season that this was kind of the last ride for this team if they didn't perform well. Um, talking to some of their beat riders and other people that are close to that team. So this is one that we've had circled that kind of we just knew would happen as soon as Utah got eliminated uh, because of that, like I said, that poor playoff run just didn't do anything. You knew that they were done. The question is, I've always heard that they want to build around Donovan Mitchell. Now, of course, it kind of looks like that might be the route because Rudy Gobert was the one indeed was shipped first. But if I'm Donovan, I've heard that he's kind of unhappy to begin with, even though they surround him with a lot of his friends. Well, guess what? His best friend, Royce O'Neal, he's now in Brooklyn. So everything's pointing to me for an exit. Now, where he wants to go and what's possible, I don't know. But, I mean, the two strongest suitors seem to be Miami and New York, uh, the Knicks. Now they signed Jalen Brunson, so now that's really gotten kind of tossed up in the air. But either way, Donovan Mitchell doesn't look long for Utah. And as for them, I don't know. Danny Ainge, people have been talking about it. When he installed a new head coach in Brad Stevens, guess what? That's when they dealt away Kevin uh, Kevin Garnett, uh, Paul Pierce to Brooklyn. Basically did a full rebuild. Well, Danny Ainge just, you know, hired a brand new coach long-term. And guess what? He's still got a star sitting on his roster, kind of a guy that's probably not happy to be there. So is he going to flip him? I think so. So you think the most likely landing spots are Miami and the Knicks for Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, that, those were the two teams that really popped up first. But like I said, with this Jalen Brunson deal pretty much getting done deal to New York, I don't think they can still be players, right? I mean, I know they've got some draft picks, but what is Utah really interested in? I don't think it's going to be as cost. The cost is going to be prohibitive, as saying for a Kevin Durant deal. So that's why I like Miami's chances more. Um, but you know, anybody could step forward for a Donovan Mitchell. When a guy like that becomes available, you know, young guy rising uh, right there on the periphery of being an all NBA guy for several years, teams will, you know, pony up, come out of the woodwork that you didn't see coming. All right, Ollie, let's talk about the Pelicans. They gave the rookie max to obviously Zion. They didn't have a choice in this matter. Uh, guy is, you know, phenomenal when healthy. That's the big what if with him. And I think that's going to be the big what if for him for his entire career. So they gave it to him. They don't really have a choice, but now giving him that super max extension, where does this team go from here and how do they get their roster trimmed down to where it needs to be? You know, I don't think they need to do much of anything. I mean, once this Kevin Durant smoke passes by, you're still sitting back with the, you know, names that we've been discussing for months, right? Can you move off of Devontae Graham? Can you move off of Jackson Hayes? Do something maybe with Garrett Temple. And if anybody's interested in Kyra Lewis, maybe ship him out as well. Now, I haven't been hearing any, you know, solid speculation. I don't think we're going to hear any until this Kevin Durant matter especially gets settled. So I think we're stuck with the roster we're looking at. And as for EJ Liddell, you know, they're going to be playing on the ninth, so four days away, and he's got to get an NBA contract. So I'm curious, is he maybe going to get a two-way? Because right now, you know, Dyson Daniels is going to be the 15th. So how are you going to get Liddell on? 
you can maybe sign him also to a full NBA contract, have 16 guys and figure it out later. That's another possibility. So I'm not too worried as, as in the Pels being pressed, right. Needing to do something right away, but cause they've got, you know, avenues, as I just said on what to do and how to do it, but they're going to still make a few periphery moves before training camp opens for sure. All right, bud. We'll wrap it up with this. What was the biggest surprise of the start of free agency for you in the NBA? Oh, it's, I mean, that was easy. It was Kevin Durant. Nobody saw this coming. Kyrie Irving says, yes, I'm going to opt in. So we all thought that, hey, okay, they're going to give it at least a run for one more year. Because the talk was, right, Kyrie wants a max extension or what another max contract, and Brooklyn didn't want to give it to him. So when he signed that player option, he thought, okay, yeah, he's in going to prove himself because he knows he can't get that contract, but nope, didn't work out that way because Kevin Durant suddenly threw his name out there to 29 other teams. So that by far, you know, took everybody's breath away the most. Do you see a scenario where Irving and Durant play together and get along this coming season? I don't. I mean, I know that's great and I'm not sure why Kevin Durant is going out so much on a ledge to say stuff like this, because let's face it, if Kyrie Irving doesn't have kind of the career he did in Brooklyn, chances are they're together. Chances are they at least go make one deep playoff run, but it didn't happen. So I know that Kevin Graham missed time with injury. Same thing with James Harden, but Kyrie Irving, you know, he's been the biggest headache out of the three of them. So why Kevin Durant will want to stay attached to that train, I'm not sure. I think it's honestly he's just being friendly to who is genuinely a friend to him. But as for ending up on the same team, I just I can't see it, Raymond. Right? Can you? No, I don't see it. I also think it's uh, funny that you know Ben Simmons gets traded there and then puts out the post: "Time to get to work on the off season." And less than an hour later, the news breaks about Durant wanting to be traded. <laughs> just oh man, Ollie, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you for making it. Enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, you too, Raymond. Thank you. That's Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, joining us, talking Pels, talking NBA. Yeah, I Miami makes the most sense to me, but Ali brings up a great point. You know, they would have to give up enough assets. Do they have the assets to land them? Phoenix makes a lot of sense. But you could see, you know, Durant having to be in Brooklyn for the start of camp before being moved on. It's, it's bizarre. Kyrie's like, I'm all in, I'm back. And then Ben Simmons is like, it's time to get to work. And Kevin Durant's like, eh, not so much. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's RP3 and company. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, man. I know you love to entertain on the weekends when it comes fall time, right? Whether you're cheering on the McNeese Cowboys or UL Raging Cajuns, LSU Tigers, or the New Orleans Saints on Sundays, you love to have the friends over, the family over. Love to crack open a few cold ones, put the game on the big screen, and sit there and entertain and have a great time. But why not do that in style? Why not reach out to my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite? Look, you already know that they are the South's largest cultured marble factory. That's one. Two, you know they produce show-stopping countertops for kitchens and bathrooms, but they do much more. They can take that man cave area or your outdoor living space that you love to entertain for football games 
and transform it into the envy of the neighborhood. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Go check it out today. Live inventory updated every single Wednesday. And here's the thing. They can take and transform your great space into an excellent space. The talk of the neighborhood. You want to entertain and host game days in style? Reach out to my friends at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Once again, their website is lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Or simply stop by their showroom located right there on I-49 north across from Hub City Ford and the Jockey Lot. Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. I want to take a moment to thank our guest today for making this Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company tremendous. What a way to start off the week, which is shortened by day because of the holiday. Jarrett Rozier from Rivals and Ali Cassell from the Bird Rights, breaking down LSU recruiting hall over the weekend. And of course, Kevin Durant rumors and the latest with the New Orleans Pelicans. Final results of the poll question of the day. We ask you, should the Pelicans trade whoever it takes to secure Kevin Durant? 85% of you overwhelmingly said no. Nearly 100 votes on this poll question of the day. 85% say no. 15% say yes. I want to appreciate all of you that chimed in with your comments and with your votes. Robert Duplachan said, I commented on Facebook. It wasn't enough. I had to come to Twitter and share the nope, 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 nope gif of Tracy Morgan, which I'm here for all day long. Oh, we got a great show lined up for you tomorrow as well. We're going to talk all things Houston Astros. Winners of seven straight, by the way. The team that made poor Mike Trout cry tears of sadness over the weekend as he went 0 for 11 with nine strikeouts eric heisman from the locked on astros podcast is going to join us tomorrow as is bill bender going to talk the changing college football landscape with the reporter from the sporting news and the mad dog hollywood higgins ron higgins will join us to talk all things lsu great show lined up for you tomorrow but that's going to do it for today's show for the producer extraordinaire hannah five names i'm raymond parch the third better known as rp3 we'll do it all again tomorrow six to nine but until then be safe out there be kind to one another kevin foot and footnotes is up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros